All right, take your Bibles if you would. Exodus chapter number 25. Exodus chapter number 25. And uh, while you're turning, let me say a few things quickly, and uh, then we'll get right into the message. But uh, we've dealt several weeks. In fact, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is message 10 on the tabernacle. We've well, This will be the 10th message on the tabernacle so far. We've covered a lot of ground. There's no way tonight I'll be able to come back and recap everything that we did uh, in hardly any detail. But we finally made it. Uh, we've, we've covered just about everything on the outside, covered the coverings and uh, the walls in some detail, covered the uh, fence, all that. We finally made it tonight into the holy place. We finally entered into the tabernacle structure itself, uh, covered the outer court. Remember a couple of weeks ago we looked at the brazen altar, looked last week at the brazen laver, the laver of cleansing. Then this week we'll keep going with the furniture, but we've made it inside the holy place. And tonight I won't deal with the table of showbread. Now, before we get into that, I, I'll be honest with you, I really ought to spend at least two, if not three weeks on the table of showbread, uh, but I, I don't think I'm going to. I might, but I don't think I will. Uh, just want to give you a few things tonight, but I want to show you something, and uh, then those of you that are interested, if you want to do this, if you want to look into this, it'll be a good study for you, all right? I'm going to get you started, uh, but more than likely, I probably won't deal with it. Now... We're going to read here in just a moment about the table of showbread, the, the description, all that. Uh, but here's what I want you to think about. When, uh, when did the table of showbread cease to be a... Uh, uh, the tabernacle, of course, was what they used in the wilderness to meet with God. Once they entered into Canaan, everything was established. We know that they uh, built the temple, which in some ways took the place of the tabernacle, but quit being a movable structure. They had a permanent structure, which was the temple. Uh, but it still had all these components to the temple. It would be interesting to look at the tabernacle and the temple and compare the two. They're very similar in many aspects. But uh, what I want you to see is this, that the moment that Jesus died at Calvary, blood was shed, sacrifice was made, uh, the tabernacle or the temple ceased to be vital. You realize that at the moment that Jesus died, there was no longer need for the blood to be shed bulls and goats and burnt up and all that because the perfect sacrifice had been given. So when Christ came and died, uh, the table of showbread in some ways was put away. Now, there's also something we use today since that time. Uh, there's another table in some aspects that we use. In fact, uh, uh, you're looking at it tonight. We uh, we have the Lord's Supper, isn't that right? We eat of the bread, and drink of the juice, and we realize that the blood is uh, the the blood is a picture. That juice pictures the blood, and the bread pictures the body of Christ. Now, here's what I'm going to show you. All right, uh, you'll have term First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse number twenty-three. Paul tells us this: For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus, at the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner, also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, verse 26, what I'm interested in, listen to me. Here's what Paul tells him. He said, For as often as you eat this bread, drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death. Watch these last three words. Till 
he come. That's interesting. Table of showbread was a practice and a purpose until the Lord come shed his blood. Lord's Supper, here's what Paul said. So if you do that, you're showing the sacrifice that he made. He'll be cut. And we'll, we'll never err on. and compare table of showbread to the Lord's Supper, then find out what will take the place of that, or if something will take the place after the Lord comes, and compare the three, and it'll be a good study for you, all right? Exodus 25, let's get into the message. Exodus 25 and verse number 23. Exodus chapter 25 and verse number 23. You don't have to stand tonight. Uh, I'll read a few verses and we'll get into it. Bible said in verse 23, Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and make thereunto a crown of gold round about. Thou shalt make unto it a border of a hand breadth round about. Thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. Thou shalt make for it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for places of the staves to bear the table. Thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold, and the table may be borne with them. Thou shalt make the, shalt make the dishes thereof, and spoons thereof, covers thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover with all of pure gold shalt thou make them. Verse 30, the Bible said, Thou shalt sit upon the table, show bread before me always. Now, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you tonight for being in your house. Lord, thank you for the ones that have made their way out. Lord, thank you for the ones listening by way of Facebook. Lord, I pray it help us tonight as we study your word together. Lord, I realize there's many burdens represented. Lord, many broken hearts. And Lord, I pray you'd have your will and wait and each and every one. Lord, I pray this evening that uh, most of all, if there'd be one lost, save them for it's everlasting too late. Lord, I pray above everything else, would you bring honor and glory unto yourself tonight. And we'll be careful, give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory, for we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Now, uh, notice a few things quickly. Uh, I'm just going to get right into it tonight and try not to uh, keep you too long this evening. But notice with me, first of all, the position of the table. Now, uh, we've looked at a lot. I'm going to have to cover a little bit of it to catch us up to speed, but... Uh, we talked about several weeks ago now that only one gate into the court always faced the east side. Uh, that pictured the Lord as him being the way, the truth, and life. And, uh, so that gate, you, the, you enter in through the gate. We talked several a few weeks ago about uh, first thing you saw was the altar. Last week we saw as you come around the altar, uh, you'd come to the laver of cleansing, which was a uh, picture of the Word of God and how that it revealed to us our sin, cleansed our sin, uh, pictured separation from the world. Uh, but now, as we go past the laver, and we, you're, if you remember all the way back to the first night, we talked about these 
seven pieces of furniture being seven steps of progression uh, in, in type of our Christian life. And so we, we, we came by the way, we uh, come by Calvary, we uh, cleansed ourselves with the Word of God, but now we've entered the holy place, entered into the tabernacle itself, and uh, we've come now to the table of showbread. Now, if you can imagine, women, you, you, you might have to come up to get the full picture in your mind and look at how it's placed, but as soon as you enter into the tabernacle, Earl, to your right, uh, on the northern face of the, of the northern wall of the holy place would have been this table of showbread. Now, to the south, to your left, would have been the golden candlestick. And right in front of you, right before you got to the veil, would have been the altar of incense. So, uh, that's where this table of showbread is. It's the next step in the progression. It's the next piece of furniture. And as you entered into the holy place, it would have been immediately uh, there on your right. Now... That, 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 that'll be important here in a few moments, but uh, I, I want to say that uh, it, it was the first piece of furniture that the priest would have come to after entering the holy place. Now, uh, we've made some steps. Let's say this before we go any farther. Our goal, we've said it just about every night, our goal is to get to the holy of holies. But we've made some steps. We're not, we start out on the outside, but now we're in the court. Not only are we in the court, but now we're in the holy place. And what amazes me is this. Now, uh, on the outside, there's no boundary. Isn't that right? When you're into the outer court, it was 75 feet wide, 150 feet long, but you were in the tabernacle. You were in Christ as it pictured. But what the Bible say, draw nigh to me and I'll draw nigh to you. Isn't that right? The farther we progress, you know what happens? It gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Tell you, you're in the holy place and it's exactly... 15 feet by 15 feet by 15 feet high. I mean, just barely enough room almost for the, uh, for the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat and, uh, for the great high priest to stand. In fact, that's all that could go in was the great high priest. And, uh, isn't that where we are desire to be alone with God as close uh, as we can be? But we're making our progress. We've come by the altar. We've come by the laver. And now we find ourselves, uh, at the table of showbread. So we see the position of the table. Now I want you to notice with me the parts of the table. Now, uh, the Bible said in verse 23, thou shalt make a table of shittim wood. Uh, uh, so we see this, this table is made of, of shittim wood, or it would be, uh, as we call it today, acacia wood. Uh, and then the Bible said that it was overlaid with pure gold. Now we've seen that several times in the tabernacle. Uh, that's what the walls are made out of. That's what, uh, that's what the walls of the tabernacle, they were made of wood and then overlaid with the gold. And so we see that God is, uh, using several things of the same. Now, uh, you can read here in our text, the Bible said, uh, Verse number 23, uh, two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit, and a, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. Now, uh, that'd work out to about 36 inches long, 18 inches wide, and 27 inches tall. So, uh, that, that, that's the parts. That's the components, if you would. Now, what's interesting to me, I like the, uh, Sam, we'll get to it here in a minute. Uh, verse 24, the Bible said, Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, make thereto a crown, of gold round about it. Now, here's what he's saying. This crown of gold. That, that doesn't make much sense to us, but here's what he's saying. What the Lord told Moses to do was this. So I want you to make this table. 
And I want you to make it just exactly the size I told you to. And I promise you tonight, if no other night, I'm just skimming the surface of this, all right? But uh, he said, I want you to make it exactly the dimensions uh, that I told you to. Make it, out of the, make it out of wood, overlay it with pure gold. Then what he said, Kirk, was this, this crown that he's talking about. He said, I want you to take some mold and be what best thing I know to uh, describe it to you. And I want you to lay it all the way around the edge uh, and make a crown on that table. What it was for was this, if you, you can imagine, uh, if you can imagine this evening that, uh, we had some bread laid on here. Now remember, it's portable. We, we're gonna talk about that here in just a minute, that, uh, they had those rings and staves, and the Bible said in verse 30, watch what the Lord said there. Uh, he said, and thou shalt sit upon the table show bread before me always. What he said, John, was there's gonna be bread on that table always. Never a time there's not bread. Now, you just imagine if we had bread on that table and we said, all right, we're going to pick this table up and move it uh, down to the fellowship hall, whatever you want to think about. And we all picked it up and started, what's going to happen? It's going to fall off. Isn't that right? So what the Lord said was, he said, you put your uh, some mold and a crown is what he called it around that table and it kept that bread in place. Uh, God help me so it wouldn't fall off uh, and get defiled as they were moving around. Isn't that right? So it's got this crown, this molding, if you would, uh, round about it. Now, uh, let me say this, uh, 12 loaves of bread, we'll get to that later, were placed on the table. Um, on each side of the table were two golden rings, bars, or hand, the Bible called them staves made of wood and overlaid with gold, passed through the rings, making the table portable and allowed it to be carried when the children of Israel were on the move. Now, on the table were 12 loaves of bread, which were to be placed specifically. The Lord gave instruction from 12 loaves of bread, and I, I'd like getting the significance of that, all that that means, but I don't have time, but uh, you can study that out yourself. But 12 loaves of bread, they were to be placed Earl, in two rows of six. That, that's how God instructed them to be laid out. Every minute detail. I hope by the time, I know it probably didn't sink in quite as much last week, but I hope by the time we get done that you understand how significant it is that that Braves and Laver had no dimensions. God gives specific detail about every single thing. But when it comes to the Braves and Laver, he didn't tell us how big it is. That's amazing to me that God would do that. But he told me to lay out 12 loaves of bread, 12 pieces of show bread, uh, two rows of six. Now, uh, watch this. So we see the position of the table, see the parts of the table. Now, let's notice the purpose of the table. Hayden was picking on me a while ago. He came up here and looked at my outline. I had it laying here and he said, let me guess. He picked up, I got about four pages. He picked it up and he had up the first three and he said, let me guess. This is introduction. This little half page is the message. And he don't realize it, but he's just about right. I'm going to be honest. He really is. Uh, but notice the purpose of the table. Uh, now, the table was vital to the priest. Everything else we've looked at so far has been important to the priest, but uh, it's also been important to the people. The priests made sacrifice for themselves at the altar, but they also made sacrifice for the people. The priest cleansed themselves at the laver, but they did that to be able to make sacrifice for the people. But you come to the table of showbread, it's important for the priest. I mean, it's vitally important for the priest. It's here that they were strengthened and sustained. It was this table of showbread that the priests themselves got their food from. Now, you, I told you a minute ago, there's no time, if you can imagine, we talked several times, we'll talk about tonight as well, no, no chair in the tabernacle. 
No time to sit down. Sacrifice always needing to be made. I, I, I was thinking yesterday, I guess it was, Kendra was helping me. We was doing some work for her grandpa. And she looked at me and said, don't you think it's about time to go get lunch? And I said, no. I said, we, well, if we'll just hurry up and get done. I said, well, we'll be done here in about an hour. And she said, well, I'm getting hungry. And I said, well, let's just go ahead and get done. Well, I'm getting hungry. And I said, well, let's just get done. And she said, well, let's go eat lunch when we come back. And I said, it'll be hotter when we get back. And it is now. Let's just get done. And finally, we, we talked her into it. But uh, I was thinking about that. Kirk, there's never a time that the priest said, well, let's run down here to Burger King and get us a sandwich. No, they didn't have time. I mean, they, you know, they didn't have Burger King, but they didn't have time to go and, and, and stop and eat. So what the Lord did was he provided on this table of showbread and as they were ministering, as they were serving, as they were worshiping, uh, it was a place that they could come together uh, and fellowship together as they got what they needed uh, uh, to be able to continue to serve the Lord. I mean, that, it's not easy work. It, uh, it's easy for us to talk about, but you imagine uh, uh, bringing in a ox and having to slay that thing. And, and having to sacrifice and get it up on the altar. I mean, it wouldn't have been a small task. And, uh, they needed strength and they needed substance. And, and so the Lord gave them this table of showbread uh, and it was vitally important to the priests. Now, uh, let, let's talk about that just a little bit. That every day, say working and serving the tabernacle, they could come around this table and uh, they, they could eat together, uh, worship together, uh, and fellowship together. So we see the purpose of the table. But then I want you to notice with me the provision of the table, and I'm going to preach, all right? Uh, now, some of you ladies are to understand this. This, this, this interests me. And I, I got to thinking, never really thought about it earlier till today, but I was thinking about if we was going to have some of y'all over to eat, to eat one day, I, I, I dare say that my wife would be satisfied if we just went and got some bread and sat on the table and said, okay, that'd be it. She wouldn't like that. In fact, I got to think about Corey. I've never been to one, I've been to several restaurants where they bring out bread as an appetizer, but I've never seen them just bring out bread. They'll bring out butter. They'll bring out, uh, bless God. They go to Texas Roadhouse. They'll bring out that cinnamon. God, hit me. Uh, oh, man. But uh, they never just bring out that bread. Uh, there's always some kind of spread. There's always something else to go with it. Uh, I, I, them old timers, my, my grandpa and uh, his brothers and sisters, they, they won't eat a meal unless they've got bread, but they don't want to just sit down and eat bread. Uh, they want bread with something else. But what's interesting to me about the provision of this tabernacle, uh, or this table, God give it to them and had to supply what they needed, but the only food that was on it was bread. No spread, no condiment, no, I mean, no nothing at all. No nuts, no pickles, I mean, nothing, just bread. I, that's all that was there was just bread. And you and I, that seems so meager, that seems so humble, I, I, that just doesn't seem appetizing at all. And I, that'll all be important right here in just a minute too. You just bear with me, okay? I'm going to lay out all the, the, the groundwork and I'm going to preach it, okay? Uh, so we see the provision of the table. Now, let me just say this about that. The bread was all that was provided, uh, but it was all that was needed to strengthen the priest. Isn't that right? Uh, uh, it was enough. It was sufficient uh, uh, to meet the need. Now, let's notice fifthly tonight the picture of the tabernacle. I'm not far from being done. Y'all ought to be impressed. It's just 7.30 and I'm just about done. Now, watch this. Uh, notice with me the picture of the table. Now, two things we've got to look at. 
We've got this table of showbread, then we've got the bread, okay? So I'm going to look at the table itself, and then we'll look at the bread as well. Now, everything in the tabernacle we've looked at, some way pictures Christ. Everything has. The table's no different. It pictures Christ. Now, let's just break it down. In the Shittim wood, we see his humanity. That's been the same throughout the whole tabernacle. That, that wood, that wood is easily, uh, that wood is easily burned. That wood, that wood is easily, uh, uh, is easily broken and all those things. But what the Lord did was he took that humanity and then he overlaid it with deity. Now what a picture of Christ that that is. He took the wood and overlaid it with gold and took the humanity of Christ and overlaid it with deity. What he was telling us is this, the lesson is that while he took on a robe of flesh and while he manifested himself in the flesh, uh, there was never a time, John, that he quit being God. Uh, He was always God. He always has been God. Uh, He is God and he always will be. Isn't that right? Uh, Thank God for his humanity. Uh, But what the Lord was saying was, uh, thankful. I'm thankful tonight for his humanity. Uh, I'm thankful that he took on a robe of flesh. Uh, I'm thankful that he lived among sinful men. I'm thankful that he carried a cross up Golgotha's hill. But what the Lord was saying was, don't ever forget that he is deity. He is the God of all gods. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's wrapped in gold. Isn't that right? So in the wood we see his humanity. In the gold we see his deity. But what about that golden crown around the edges? Thank God we see his protection and preservation. What the Lord was telling us was that now that that, that bread is what the priests needed. Isn't that right? They needed the bread. And the Lord said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this gold and mold in this golden crown if you would. I'm going to place it around the table to keep what you need where you can get it. God help me. I'm about to come unglued. Aren't you glad tonight that He's able to preserve and to protect I'm not just talking about the soul of the believer, but I'm glad, thank God, uh, that you realize from Genesis 3.15 uh, that Satan has been a constant battle to defeat uh, the seed of the woman. Uh, that's right, friend. You know why that? How uh, do you know why? Listen to me. You know why that? Uh, the, uh, well, I'm getting tongue-tied, but I'll get out here in just a minute. Uh, but you look over and over and over throughout uh, the genealogies in the Old Testament, you'll find that the seed uh, come from an unsuspecting source. That didn't come from Ishmael, the firstborn, but of Isaac. Is that right? It didn't come from Cain after he slew Abel, but rather it came from Seth. Over and over again, it seemed like that things were happening strangely. And the reason was Satan was doing everything he could to corrupt the promised seed. But aren't you glad, thank God, that God was able to preserve and to protect the promised seed. I'm glad that you realize there's no other book in all the world that besides the Bible that's attacked more fiercely. I told you before, I tell you again, when I was in high school, we had a teacher that told me I'd fail if I wrote my way to write a paper, use scripture. And he told me, he said, you'll fail, I'll fail you in a heartbeat if you quote the King James Version one time. That very same teacher, a few years, a few months later, we had to write a paper off some Shakespeare thing. Had some one of those girls in the class, Earl, instead of reading the original, 
uh, she went and got this modern thing that they translated it uh, out of modern day English and you thought he's going to crucify her uh, and said if she had any intellect in her brain at all uh, she ought to be able to understand the way Shakespeare wrote it uh, I just couldn't help myself I had to pipe up and say uh, if you had any brain in your head at all you ought to be able to understand uh, the way that God wrote it isn't that right uh, but listen to me listen to me well uh, that Bible's been more attacked than any other book uh, but aren't you glad tonight that God's able uh, to protect and preserve his word uh, of that which we needed uh, he protected and preserved for us isn't that right Watch this uh, crown. It shows the protection and preservation of God in the rings and bars which have made the table portable. We see His presence uh, as we travel through this life. Do you realize that everywhere uh, that the priest went, that table went with them. Uh, I saw what a promise. God said, I'll tell you what I'll do. Uh, I'll put some rings on the side of it, put some staves through that. Uh, and everywhere that you go, God, help me, I'm about to come unglued. Uh, everywhere that you go, just pick it up. Uh, and carry what you need with you. Aren't you glad in this dry and dusty world that God's made a way for the believer to carry what we need with us? Kirk, I'm not looking. I thought about today. I know Brother Kenny watched it. Some of the rest of you might. I shared a thing on Facebook the other night. John, Bradley and Todd's got that podcast they do. They had this man on there and he was talking about transitions in the ministry. He's talking about how sometimes the Lord moves people that moves me in and he's talking specifically about going from pastoring to maybe evangelism or missions and I'm not thinking about leaving that probably disappoints some of you but me and Kendra was just talking about how hard that'd be I'd just pack up and just go a different way but I got to think about today studying this what they told the priest was you may not always be where you are right now but when I tell you it's time to move just pick up what you need and carry it with you isn't that right the location might change how the surroundings might change but he said I've made a way for you to take what you need I'm glad thank God some 20 years ago the Holy Ghost moved inside of my heart I'm glad Earl, no matter where I might go where I might wander I'm glad I've got what I need with me aren't you my soul what a picture what's this we see his presence I'm glad that he's omnipresent tonight but not only his presence I want to say this uh, the, the table as a whole uh, shows us Christ as our sustainer uh, the priests needed food and they found it at the table of showbread uh, I'm glad thank God tonight it pictures Christ uh, I just want to stand up and say this evening just give you some good news uh, I know everything seems like it's falling apart uh, but I'm glad the child of God finds everything they need uh, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ it may not always seem prosperous we talked a few weeks ago sometime or another we come around it about the priests the tribe of Levi all the other tribes Chris got land they raised crops they raised they raised cattle but the tribe of Levi the, 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 the priest you know what they got they did, the Bible said that the Lord would be their portion John they very rarely sit down and ate ribeyes they didn't walk outside and look at an acre of corn 
corn. Hey, think about how good the Lord had been. It may not have seemed prosperous all the time, but I tell you this, when the drought come, they still had bread. When famine come, they was, God help me, I'm about to come slap on loot. They had bread continually, and it was because the Lord provided, and the Lord sustained. Isn't that right? And it pictures Christ as our sustainer. I'm glad this evening that I realize things are bad. We're living and probably some of the worst days of my life. I mean, there's things going on tonight that we never thought we'd face. But can I say this? David said, I was young and now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I'm glad I found what I needed in Christ. Despite what happens in the world, he is enough this evening in their hand. Table itself pictures Christ as our sustainer. But I believe if we look at it tonight, we see another picture as well. Now, I told you a minute ago, a priest would gather around this table of showbread and they'd be able to, they'd be able to worship and serve and uh, still, still meet their capacities, but they'd be able, Chris, to gather together and eat together. And I was thinking about that. I believe I'm not trying to, not trying to put the church somewhere it doesn't belong, but I believe we could make application tonight and, and see a picture and a type of the local church. Now you say, preacher, what do you mean? Watch this. Priests daily gathered together to worship, fellowship one another, uh, where the believer assembles together with other believers to fellowship together as they worship the Lord. Now, every one of those priests would have been busy. But they'd come a time that Earl, they'd come together because they needed to be refreshed. They, are y'all kidding that? They needed to be strengthened. They needed to be sustained. There was something that they needed. Now, let me say this. The Lord could have met their needs individually. Is that right? But what he did was he made a place, a table, uh, to which they could come together, uh, eat together, uh, and fellowship one with another. Now, let me say this. I talked to a man several years ago. I mean several years ago. And I was talking to him. I asked him if he had been saved. He told me he had. And uh, we, we talked a little while. I'm going to give you the short version. We talked for a few minutes. And I asked him, I said, well, let me ask you this. I said, where do you go to church at? Here's what he said. He said, well, I used to go to church at such and such place. And he said, but I don't go anymore at all. And he said, I just figured out a long time ago, you don't have to go to church to be saved. And I looked at him. I said, you're exactly right. Is that right? In fact, the majority of people that got saved aren't a member of a church. Is that right? In fact... Am I, am I right? You, more likely you're not going to be joined together with a, you can be. I'm glad the Lord can save church members, but uh, typically, uh, uh, you, 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 in fact, I go as far as say you shouldn't be a member of a church uh, until you've been saved. Isn't that right? But here's what I asked him. I said, well, you're right, you don't. And I said, but don't you think it'd do you good to go to church? Well, I don't see why. And he said, and he was a pretty educated fellow. I don't mean this ugly. He's probably right. He told me the church he used to go to, and I wouldn't dare mention it. He said, I'll be honest with you. From what I hear, I probably know more about the Bible than that preacher does anyway. And he's probably right. I'm not being ugly. He's probably right. And he said, all it is down there, he said, I know so-and-so, and and they don't live right, and -and so-and-so don't live right, and -and so-and-so don't do this. And John, I know the church. He's right. He's right. 
Y'all getting quiet on me, but he's right. And he said, I just don't see any reason at all for me to go down there. But can I say this? Believers need to be around other believers. You know that? I'll be honest with you. I'm not going to burst your bubble. I'm not trying to be mean. But if you think tonight that there's no hypocrites in this church, uh, you ought to walk a day in my shoes all I know how to tell you. I mean, I'm just being honest. Uh, uh, if God hit me, I feel a mean streak. If you don't believe there's any hypocrites uh, in churches, you ought to get on Facebook one night and just scroll through and look. Uh, uh, you must not be friends with none of them. Uh, uh, go ahead and nod you. I'm not being ugly. Uh, it's getting awful quiet, but I'm just going to be honest. Uh, uh, it's about every night or I get on Facebook, not so much here. Uh, uh, but I, I've seen every night this week, I guarantee you, uh, it's getting warm weather, people having cookouts. Uh, I, I go to a lot of churches, Chris, uh, and I sit there and I say, Kendra, come here to minute uh, and I turn around and I say you see that woman right there uh, and she'll say which one I say that and holding that bud light uh, doesn't she go to such and such church uh, I'm telling you the God's honest truth uh, uh, the other night she said yeah I believe that's that deacon's wife ain't it uh, is that right yes there's hypocrites yes nod your head and say amen yes there's hypocrites uh, yes there's some that don't live right I've got news for you uh, you'd be surprised how many of them sit on a church pew uh, uh, stand behind pulpits on the deacon board teach Sunday school uh, uh, that are lost as a ball in high weeds uh, uh, but that doesn't much matter to me uh, I just want to see them get saved uh, yes I want to see them live right uh, uh, but I'm telling you personally I need to be around uh, other believers I spent enough time in the world uh, I'd look up uh, above the hypocrites uh, and look beyond the hypocrites uh, uh, bless God I need fellowship tonight don't you they come together and fellowship around that table every believer needs fellowship with other believers I, I, I'll be honest with you. I heard coming up here today I was listening to some preaching this fellow's telling a story he said he went and knocked on the door one day he was talking to some man and he asked him talked to him a few minutes he was a nice fellow said he asked him what church he were and he said no sir and he said, uh, well, can I ask you why you don't go to church? He said, sure. And he said, I looked at him, I said, well, why don't you go to church? He said, I don't like peanut butter. And he said, I sat there for a minute, I scratched my head. And he said, I looked at him, I said, sir, I don't mean this ugly, but I, don't, I cannot even fathom what you like in peanut butter. has to do with whether or not you go to church. Here's what that man said. He said, I've heard a lot of excuses in my day about why people didn't go to church. I figured one's about as good as any other one. Is that right? I mean, at least he was honest. Listen to me. I've heard people say, well, so-and-so did this. So-and-so did that. I've got news for you, and I'm moving on. You stick around church long enough, somebody's going to hurt your feelings. You stick around church long enough, somebody's going to say the wrong thing. You stick around church long enough, somebody's going to do their own thing, say their own thing. That same preacher I was listening to later on in the message, he said this, he said that uh, he said that there'd been times that people come up to him and said, "Preacher, uh, I'd follow you." He said, I, I, "He said people come up to me and say, Preacher, I believe you you study and pray and you seek the Lord. I'd follow you then the world if you said that's what God said to do." He said, "All that went real good till I did something they didn't think we ought to do." Is that right? Sooner or later, I'm not going to do what you think I ought to do. Now I've got news for you. Sooner or later, you're going to do what I think you ought not do. Is that right? 
Sooner or later, I'm going to say something to hurt your feelings. Corey, if me and you stay in the same church, and I probably don't said something to hurt your feelings. If I did, I'm sorry. But uh, if we stay in here long enough, uh, let's just say we're both here in the next 20 years. Sooner or later, you're going to hurt my feelings, and sooner or later, I'm going to hurt your feelings. Uh, go ahead and nod your head. Let's just be honest. Uh, everybody's going to hurt everybody's feelings at some point or another. Uh, but instead of getting out, instead of getting out of church, and instead of, instead of doing all those things and coming up with excuses, uh, it's time we just realized we need each other. Amen. Uh, isn't that right? Uh, you know what I figured out a long time ago, and I'm just being honest. There's been a lot of times somebody's hurt my feelings. But I sat down one day, Ron, and really got to thinking about it. And I thought there's been a lot more times I'm just, I'll pick on Ron. Let's just, I hate never hurt my feelings, but let's just say that he did. Let's just say he hurt my feelings tonight. You know what happens? I forget about all them times he's been a help to me. I forget about all them times he's been a blessing. I forget about all them times he come out and said something to encourage me. And all I focus on is, can you believe that he said that? But you know what? I'd be foolish to let one thing you said get me out of church and get mad and discouraged because there's been a lot more he's done to encourage me and help me. And, and, and isn't that right? Uh, we need one another. That table's where they come together to fellowship one with another uh, and get what they need. Do you realize that's what the house of God is? Uh, it's a time we can come together and fellowship one with another as we feast on the Word of God uh, and get what we need to continue to worship uh, and continue to serve uh, and continue to do what we've been called to do. Now, let me say this. Every believer needs uh, to be every born again believer needs fellowship with other believers. That's why it's important to be joined to a local church. Uh, we need that this evening. So to see the table, it pictures Christ as our sustainer. I believe we can see a picture of the local church. But then let's look at the bread quickly. Now, the bread was placed on the table once again: twelve loaves, six place, eight, two rows of six. Now, said a minute ago, only food on the table was the bread. Now, one thing that's interesting is this bread, Chris, was when, when they made this bread, what they'd do is this. It'd have frankincense baked in with it, give it some flavor. It was flavored with frankincense. Now, it's not that hard of a stretch. Everything pictures the Lord. It ought not be that hard of a stretch to see that the bread does. John 6, verse 35, Jesus said this, uh, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth on me shall never thirst. So, of course, this bread pictures Christ. The food of the believer. Now, that priest becomes a believer. Remember we talked about uh, in the New Testament, the Bible said that he hath made us kings and Priest, and that's the reason we're able to enter into Christ. It's a it's a type of the tabernacle. We we become the New Testament priest, and uh, the priests needed that bread. It was reserved for the priest, and uh, and it was flavored with frankincense. So uh, the priest has entered in. He's able to eat this bread, uh, and the Bible said, Jesus said, "I am the bread of life." Uh, uh, the Bible said, "He that cometh to me shall never hunger; he that believeth on me shall never thirst." So. Bread pictures Christ. The food of the believer is the Word. Now, uh, you said, preacher, I thought you said it pictures Christ. What well, does? It pictures both the living Word and the written Word. Now, we realize we've got the written Word in our hand. Is that not? Now, I'm not trying to be funny. I just want to make sure you're with me. You go home this evening, some of you may already have. You eat supper. You're going to take whatever it is. You're going to take it. You're going to put it in your mouth. And you're going to consume it. You're going to ingest it. Is that right? 
Do you realize when you, when you open up this Bible, you're taking the Word of God and ingesting it through your eye. Isn't that right? You're ingesting it. And so it's the written Word. But it's also the living Word. The Bible said in John 1, chapter 1, verse 14, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt about talking about the living Word. He was the living Word. You know what amazes me? John 6, 35, and he said, I am the bread of life. What about the fact they, those that stand on that day, Kirk, heard the Word of God speak the Word of God? Is that right? They heard the Word of God speak the Word. That amazes me. So the food of the believer tonight is the Word, both both the living Word and the written Word. Now, that's important. We'll get there in just a second. That the bread was to be eaten. It was ingested into the priest. Now, here's what the psalmist said. Psalm 119, verse 11. The psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So, preacher, what do you say? Give them what they needed to have been placed in them. Right? The psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart. You know what he said? I've ingested it. I've hid it. Now, I'll be honest with you. I can't look at one of you and tell you what you've eaten this week. Physically. I can't look at you and tell I cannot look at Earl and say, well, I, let's say Monday he ate a chicken. As far as I know, some of them have been eating three or four days. I can't tell. Now, isn't that the same way it is spiritually? Now, eventually you can get to telling. But here's what the psalmist said. Nobody may not have known it. You can't see it. But he said, I've hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Do you realize that's what's supposed to be done by the believer? As That's why... Well, I ain't going to get there yet. That's why, as we come together, I told you that table picture of the church. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll tell you again here in a minute so you just act like it's the first time you heard it. But do you realize, I, I looked up the other night, some friends of ours moved off and they started going to this new church. and uh, I really didn't know where they was going. Well, they finally, the other night, I noticed they had shared something that had the church that they were going to. I noticed John is one of them, I don't remember what the name of it was, but is one of them just, you know, the bluff or the cliff or what you know. And so I clicked on him. And the service was about an hour and twenty minutes long. And I watched the whole thing just out of curiosity. I'm telling you the truth. If, I, if I've ever told the truth, I'm telling you. It's an hour and twenty minutes long, and an hour and ten minutes of it was the worship band up on stage. Lights flashing, screens moving, beating on drums, and you know, all this stuff. Iron 10 minutes of it, all that. Last 10 minutes, the preacher got up, read one verse of scripture, made some announcements, and then went to the house. God help me, that's not what I need. I mean, I, I'm just being honest, it's not. I need the bread. Get right? The only thing on that table. I'm getting far ahead of myself, it ain't funny, but the only thing on that table was just bread. There wasn't no pickles. There wasn't no spreads. It was just bread. That's all that was on the table. God, I'm not trying to be mean. 
And I, I, I'm doing my best. I told, I'll be off with I told Kim the other night, I'm just going to be open and praying that somebody would say, let's do something with the youth. Let's do something with the youth. Let's do something with the youth. And I'm not being critical. I'm just, I, I'm not saying you should have. I'm just saying, I, for three years, Coke, I've been praying somebody would step up and do it. And I told her the other night, I said, I, somebody needs to do something. We, we, me and you'll just do it. We'll take care of it. And I'm doing everything I can, John, to do more of the youth. And I've got some plans coming up this summer. But I'll tell you this, I've had too many people come by me and say, well, what do you have to offer the youth? i tell you what I've got to offer the Word of God. Isn't that right? That's what they need. I'm all for going to Carowinds. I'm all for going fishing. I'm all for going to Lazy Five Ranch. I'm all for movie nights. I'm all for, that's great things. But that doesn't do one thing for them spiritually. Do you realize that? That does not help them one bit. I'm sorry tonight, but it doesn't help them to go down to Fellowship Hall and play games and color in a coloring book. That doesn't help them. God help us. We need to get together and ingest the word of God. Isn't that right? Watch this. That all that was on the table was bread. Psalm said, I word if I hit my heart, I'm not sinning against thee. But all that was there was the bread. But now this bread was also flavored with frankincense. So the bread itself pictures the word of God. But in that was this frankincense. Now, any kind of oil in your Bible almost always picture and type of the Holy Ghost. So uh, this this bread, flavor of frankincense, so it'd be like this. What we're gonna we're gonna put the type together, okay? What he's saying is this. He said, all right, this this is the word of God. This is the bread. But what he said, Kirk, was that instead of just giving them bread, that he put frankincense in the bread. Alright? So in order for them to eat it, Earl, they had to eat the bread and the frankincense, right? Always a picture of the Holy Ghost, any kind of oil. Now, so preacher, what are you saying? Can I tell you this? Spiritually, things cannot be understood with a carnal mind. Did you know that? Do you know it takes the illumination of the Holy Ghost? Listen, I'm not trying to be mean, but when did it not be enough? When did it become the fact that it wasn't enough to come to the house of God and just enjoy God's people enjoy the Word of God and the Spirit of God and let God illuminate your heart to the truth of the Word of God and get what you need to go the rest of the week. When that ceased to be enough? When did it become... It's getting off quiet, but that may be a good thing. I don't know. When did it quit being enough for God's man to just get up and preach with the anointing of the Holy Ghost let God speak to the heart of the people when that quit being enough. Now, I'm not trying to be mean. Y'all looking at me like I'm being mean to you. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to preach the way it's wrote. Uh, but when did quit being enough? I mean, listen, we've got to the place now, and I, I be honest, we're all guilty of it. Me and Kenny talk, and I'm thankful. I'm not saying we shouldn't have done it. I'm thankful the Lord let us remodel. But me and Kenny was talking one night. I don't remember if it was me or him that said it, but one of us said, well, you know, you go into a church and they got nice facilities. You'd probably come closer to staying somewhere like that. Well, when did that become a thing? 
When did it become a, when did it become you had to have new bathrooms and new carpet and new pews and this? And when did all that become a thing? I mean, used to, they just made an old brush arbor. You know what that is? Uh, that's just a bunch of brush sewed up over to some poles. Uh, no air conditioning, no pews. Uh, they just made out there in the middle of the summer, uh, sweat beating off her face, uh, and just gather together, uh, and listen to the word of God and enjoy the spirit of God, uh, and get fed and get what they needed, uh, how to continue to serve and worship the Lord. Uh, when did it quit being enough tonight? When did we have to have all these things? And, and when did we have to have an Awana club and this and that? And I, I had a woman not too long ago asked me, she said, I, I'm telling you the truth, I was talking to her and uh, we, we was on vacation. It wasn't the last time we went, I guess. And uh, I was talking to this man and woman, and they had some youngins running around. I was waiting on Kendra to get out of the store, and uh, I was talking to her, and uh, come find out she didn't live too far from here. And uh, I, I invited her to come to church. And uh, she said, well, this church we've been going to, two times a year they take the kids. Uh, uh, one time they take them to Pigeon Forge, and the next time they take them to Myrtle Beach, and the church just pays the whole thing for the teenagers. Uh, and she looked at me. God is my witness. She looked at me. And she said, now can you beat that? And I thought, when did it become a job interview? Uh, I mean, when did it become a fact? Uh, and you say, preacher, what did you say? I was real nice to her. And I looked at her and I said, I sure can. Uh, and she said, you can. I said, yes, ma'am. Uh, instead of worrying about what kind of tan lines your young and had, uh, I'd worry about their ever dying soul where they's going to go to hell. Uh, amen, friend, that's right. Uh, and I'd preach the word of God to them. Uh, and I'd love them and I'd love your family. Uh, that's exactly when did it quit being enough tonight. Uh, so all that was there was bread. In that bread, to mix this frankincense picture of the Holy Ghost. Now, now that pictures, we understand that only, the only way to truly understand the scriptures is, and spiritual things, that only comes from the elimination of the Holy Ghost. But let me say this, that frankincense was mixed in the bread and consumed as well. Now you say, preacher, what's that mean? Well, two things. I'm glad for the believer that as you read, I, I had a professor in college at Surrey Community. He was a very smart fellow. He read the Bible through. This is truth. He, he read the Bible through. In fact, well, I took his class two years, and I, I asked him, oh, but I don't think I learned from him, I asked him, I said, can you give me the, the plan that you use when you read your Bible? Wicked is sin. I mean, he, this man was wicked. But he read his Bible through three times a year. And I've got that in my office if I can find it. But he gave me, he showed me what he read every day. And my, we'd read it together. And we'd come in, it'd be amazing. We'd come in, he'd find out I was doing it. And he asked me, he said, well, after class, you stay, and we'll talk about what we've read this week. And I said, all right. And uh, so I stayed with him. I wish I could remember what it was, but I remember I come in, and I was excited. And I, I looked at him, and I said, I'll tell you what I saw. God, I mean, I was excited. I was about ready to preach. And he looked at me, and what he said, I didn't see that at all. And I looked at him and I said, what do you mean? And I said, it's right there plain as a nose on your face. How could you not see that? And he said, well, I saw that it was beautifully written. And I saw the, the eloquency of the, of the words that were pinned down. And I saw how we was reading through Psalms or Proverbs or Psalms or something. And he said, I saw all this. You know what I, I said? I saw a picture of the church that I'd never seen. And I, I saw, I see, I, I'll tell you one thing I did see. I said, you know what I figured out? You'll never find a picture of Christ that, that is bright and somewhere close by. He looked at me and said, I don't even know what you're talking about, but did you see that word and how beautifully that was written? And I looked at him and said, I don't give a rip about where the comma was. 
I don't care what that means. Uh, but did you see the church? Uh, did you see the blood? Uh, did you see this? No, I didn't see that. You know why? Because carnal eyes can't see all of it. Isn't that right? Aren't you glad tonight for the believer that the Holy Ghost illuminates your heart? But then it was in that bread and consumed with it. You know what that meant? As that word was hid in his heart, that, that frankincense was hid too. What a picture of the indwelling of the believer. The only way you can read that Bible and understand it's the Holy Ghost. But I'm glad I don't have to look for him every time I go to read. He lives in me. Isn't that right? Are you seeing that? Watch this. I'll give you one more thing and I'm done. I told you 30 minutes ago I'd be done. It's 8.05 now. But if I'd have quit too early, it'd been too, you'd been too upset. Notice with me quickly and I'm done. The promise of the table. Now, we've looked every time, just about every week, we've talked about there being no, furn- no sitting furniture, no chairs. Always working, no time to sit. And so it was even while they were fellowshipping around the table. There was, they never pulled up a chair. They never sat down and bellied up to the table. They'd stop by, fellowship together. While they were standing, they'd eat that bread. There'd be time to go back to work. Now, what a picture. They said, preacher, why is that important? Well, two things. Work was never done. All they had time for was come by, get what they needed, go back to work. Can I say this? Our life is not supposed to be joyous all the time. You know what church is? It's a time to get together, bear one another's burdens, fellowship one with another, find encouragement, find strength, get what you need to go back into the world and continue to serve the Lord until the next time you come back together. All right? That's what the priest did. But here's what it is. At any time, remember, the Lord led them, pillar of fire at night, pillar of cloud by day, the Lord led them. That cloud, that cloud would come and it would hover over a spot and Earl, they'd set the tabernacle up right underneath that cloud. The reason there's no place to see it, at any time that cloud could move, and it'd be their sign, the command had been given, to then pack up and move camp. Is that right? There's no time to see it. No time to stay. Any, God, hit me. At any time the command could come, that cloud could move, and it'd be time to pack up and move with it. Had to be on their feet all the time. God, help us. What a picture of our life. You say, preacher, how do you get that? Let me say this. It had to be ready to move at a moment's notice. Now, now as we live this life serving, worshiping the Lord, I, I, I'm glad tonight for the opportunity to fellowship with fellow believers. Uh, but hear me and hear me well. We have no time to see it. We have no time to rest. Uh, we have no time to sit down and quit. Uh, God help me, commands could be given any moment. Uh, it could be time to move. Uh, y'all ain't getting that. Uh, we better stay on our feet. We better stay ready. Thank God while the opportunity's here, get what you need. Uh, uh, eat around the table. Fellowship one with another. Uh, get what you need to continue to serve. Uh, uh, but there's no time to sit down. At any moment, commands could be given. Uh, uh, you say, preacher, what do you mean? Do you realize at any moment uh, uh, the Lord could step out and give command? Uh, come up hither. Uh, hey, man, friend, that's right. Uh, it'd be time to pack up and leave. 
It'd be time to meet the Lord in the air. And Bibles and souls shall we ever be with the Lord. I'm glad for the promise of the table. There was no chair. They had to be ready, Corey, at a moment's notice. Had to be ready to leave. The Lord give them provision. The Lord give them what they needed. But at any moment command could be given, it'd be time to move. I don't know about you, but that thrills my soul. I'm glad He's given me what I need. I'm glad that I found what I need in Christ. I'm glad for my church family. I'm glad for a place to come sit down and eat and fellowship around the Word of God. But it does something in my heart and my soul. I ought to get to think about it any moment command could be given. And it could be time to move. Oh, y'all ain't getting that. That thrills my soul this evening. What a promise of the table. Any moment that command could be given to move. You say, preacher, what are you saying? When I ask you this, and I'm done. Right here, I'm, fellas, you come on, get a song of invitation.